Hi, I'm Bo Humphreys, and this is the Personal Finance Show. It is July the 5th. Uh, how, no, how did we get here? I don't know. Uh, it's like a blur. It was March uh, 16th or 17th the last time I checked. Uh, but it's because I haven't really left the house, have I? This is episode uh, 15, uh, week 15 of the COVID-19 series that I started uh, after I took a, a, a bit of a break from podcasting. I did 100 episodes, and then I decided to stay home uh, with my son while my wife went back to medical school. And then we got daycare, so I got to start a full-time job as an insolvency counselor. And uh, throughout all that, there's no time for podcasting. Not the way that I used to do it anyway, with uh, editing and planning and, and uh, researching and things like that. Now it's just Sunday morning. Let's record an episode. No editing. It's basically a live show. So I'm sorry about all the ums because there's going to be lots <laughs> of them uh, from myself. Maybe not so much from my guest because she's also a professional. Ruby Ahmed Hawk is here with me, uh, my co-host. Uh, I'm the sidekick uh, to her to her hosting the Dear Ruby podcast that we just recorded, you know, like five minutes before uh, this one. So welcome, Ravina. Thanks for having me. These back-to-back podcasts are pretty exciting. <laughs> we're, we're like real podcasters now. We're right? just we're in just the studio all the time, just creating content. Yes. Well, and Rubina is creating content uh, literally all the time, uh, and that's her job. Um, Rubina's on TV. She's on the radio. She's uh, writing stuff. Um, what did I miss? What else are you working on? Uh, you know, I do a couple of things. I'm freelance. I'm a freelance journalist. So I, mm-hmm. uh, I obviously, uh, work in a few different places. I work for the CBC radio and television. I work for global news, which is owned by chorus again, radio and television. Um, I write for a few websites, including golden girl finance. I've started this new one with a uh, Canadian pre paid organization. I've started doing some writing for them for their blog about news uh, that's uh, out there about the prepayment systems that are available to Canadians. Um, And then as things go, I mean, you know, during COVID, I've been doing a lot of stuff with universities and colleges about how to plan your personal finances, how to make sure that uh, you've got your money uh, in check and that you're, you're doing all the right things when it comes to the benefits that are offered to Canadians, uh, that you're putting enough money away for a rainy day right now because it sounds like it's going to be a pretty rainy few few months. You know, it, it, they're saying this pandemic could last 18 Ra- months. Rainy years. years. Rainy, rainy years, <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. I mean, I kind of do those. The, I do all, all things personal finance and a little bit of workplace as well um, in, in that capacity. And, and Rubina was on uh, episode 68 of the podcast uh, where we told her uh, financial origin story. Uh, from the earliest money mm-hmm. memory, uh, I feel like it was uh, Pizza Pizza. If, if that was the one, uh, uh, saving up money to buy the pizza yeah, with your friends yeah. in and school. always having to Does ask a friend, right? oh, yeah. could I borrow a quarter or something?" Yeah. <laughs> All the way to uh, you know coming back from uh, <laughs> from from uh, Pakistan uh, during nine eleven with uh, uh, thousands of dollars in cash in your uh, on your person. Yes. That, that's uh, a <laughs> full circle, full circle, full circle from pizza, moment, pizza yes. to to uh, going to Pakistan, reporting as a journalist during 9-11. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that there's a you know, you've had a, 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 a bit of a life um, and uh, but have uh, come to be a personal finance expert. Always save money is uh, the always save money dot com dot C.A. Mm, yeah, both works. 
Both worked, right? Mm-hmm. Arubianamadhawk.com, mm-hmm. right? And uh, always save money on Twitter and mm-hmm. Instagram. Yeah. Yes, that's right. And yep. then the Dear Ruby podcast. We got Dear Ruby on it. Just look for Dear Ruby on Insta. Uh, Dear Ruby podcast on Twitter. Mm-hmm. And so we're, you know, we did uh, we did some episodes uh, a, a while ago. Actually, it's this is all my fault. We did a couple episodes a while back, and, and I of course did my hundred episodes, and then uh, we stopped because I didn't have any time. Right? I'm going to well, take full responsibility. Us, yeah, full I think respons- it was. <laughs> and also, you know, you had a baby and I bought a house. It's two big, huge life events, and so we kind of got sidetracked for a little while. But then we came back to Dear Ruby. Uh, because of COVID-19, because we thought, you know, well, you brought up the excellent idea. We should be talking about what's been happening. And we've been on it from day one, uh, talking about yeah. all the benefits that are available, all the uh, ways that people's personal finances are being affected. And we're getting good questions in about CERB, about tax situation, um, all different concerns that Canadians have about uh, their money right now. Yeah. So, you know, if you're looking for another uh, podcast uh, f- uh, featuring myself, <laughs> but mostly Rubina. Uh, you can uh, you can actually uh, record a question uh, on the website. So it's dearruby.com, D-E-A-R-R-U-B-I.com. So check that out. That's, uh, you know, and listen to episode 68 if you want to know more about Rubina. We're going to talk about Rubina's uh, COVID-19 uh, experience so far. So <laughs> let's go back then. Of course, uh, the one of the things is we started a podcast probably that next weekend, but... Uh, so where like you had to take the kids out of school? What what? what tell me what the first uh, thing was uh, that kind of made you realize this is a big deal. Well, I had to get that cough out of the way before I started my long story. <laughs> <laughs> Excuse me. Um, Live so show. So I think everybody. it was March fifteenth uh, was when we realized the schools were going to be closed at least until the end of March, and um, I had already kind of started realizing that we were heading into. A situation where we were going to be under some kind of lockdown or that sure. schools would be closed. I, you know, I have a friend who lives in Italy, and obviously Italy was weeks ahead of us when it came to um, their their country shutting down. And I spoke to him briefly, and he basically kind of alerted me to the fact that he goes, "Don't be fooled because it happens very very quickly. Like one day mm. you're going to work, and then the next day everything is shut down. It really does happen that quickly." And started giving me sort of, you know, he goes, You're, you guys are just starting to get cases. You guys are just starting to realize how serious this is and how it now is in North America. He goes, you are going to see schools shut down. You are going to see uh, businesses shuttered because COVID-19 is a real risk and they don't want it to spread. And the only way to do that is by getting people to stay home. And uh, wow. that kind of got me, you know, that kind of got me in sure. the, the headspace of I got to get ready for this. And so I started, you know, on my WhatsApp chats with my girlfriends and a couple I had with my family started saying, I'm getting some real anxiety over this. I, I think it's and a lot of people were like, oh, you're just exaggerating. And this was just like one week before everything happened. And I remember a week after people were like, you were right. You knew, yeah. you knew it was coming. <laughs> so I'm not trying to say I'm some sort of uh, future teller. I just basically spoke to a friend. Uh, but my no, but it's something reaction, you don't want to be super right about either, right? It's like, yeah. I wish I wasn't. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, I wish I was wrong, of course. Um, but I did all the basic things. You know, I didn't do as much hoarding. I didn't go and buy like 80 rolls of toilet paper or oh, 80 oh my God. reams of it. But I definitely went and, and stocked up on more groceries than normal because my whole thing was, why should we leave the house if we don't have to? Um, so we did go and, and, you know, stock up on basic like rice and pasta stuff that's easy to keep for a long, long time and, uh, stocked our freezer. Uh, what else could we do? And just kind of got ready. And I had to set up my husband's home office for him. Well, we had to set it up. 
uh, we, I, mean, I shouldn't say I'm the only one, but we, we had to quickly kind of find out a space for him to work, which was in my office. So we had to rearrange my stuff. So there was things that happened pretty quickly, um, just as my friend had alerted me to, uh, because, you know, we knew we were headed into a long, uh, a long-term situation with, uh, with, uh, COVID-19. Cause you're like, in terms of you don't go into an office, but you go in, you go a lot of places like studios and um, just other locations, right? Maybe even uh, to meet people, um, et cetera. It's not like you can work exclusively from home or that you did. I mean, you, you, ha- you are now, though. Mm-hmm. Well, I go once a week to the CBC before all this started, for sure, to record my, po- uh, to record my podcast, record my column. It's a radio yeah. column, so I record the script. Uh, scripted part of it, and then I add in the clips. And the clips that I usually get are from experts in that field, whatever I'm talking about uh, that week. Uh, for example, this week for my column on CBC, I'm talking about masks at work and whether companies can okay. legally uh, uh, make you wear a mask at work. That short yeah. answer is yes. Short answer okay. is yes. But uh, people <laughs> spoiler. Are conf- <laughs> spoiler alert. But people are still confused about it, so it's it's definitely worth covering. Um, so normally, like a story like that, I would go and meet the person who's going to talk to me about that and ask them okay. you know, what, why that is. And I may go, you know, I, a big part of my column that I do for CBC is streeters. So I go out on the street and I ask people what their opinion is on whatever story it is that I'm covering. And I often get really great answers and haven't been able to do that. I've really had to rely on just expert voices, which often feel like talking heads. Um, I don't I'm not really yet. I do have a couple of um, like Facebook uh, pages that I'm on where I can put out a call and say, hey, anyone feeling like this, if you'd like to get in touch with me, you can DM me and we can get contact- connected. But it's not the same. I really like being on the street and talking to people. And that's been a big part of you know what's been taken away because of COVID-19. And you're right. Like when I do stuff for global, I go into the TV studio, often even for radio, I'll go in for that. Um, it's just better quality. You get to see the people face to face. Um, you know, definitely if I do any speaking engagement, I go in and do it uh, in person. I've been doing speaking engagements from my, uh, home office, which is strange, but fun. Uh, but okay. normally, you know, I'd be in front of an audience or I'd be with a panel. And so it's, it's, it's been a big, uh, adjustment for me anyways. Yeah. I think, um, I think the last event, I mean, t- tell me if I'm wrong. Uh, the, were we at the same last of a public event together? Uh, uh, yeah, end of February. Yeah, for a book launch. Yeah, we were there together. Yeah. I think that was the last time I did anything kind of uh, professionally. A lot of us, yeah. Yeah, yeah. After that, I don't, think, uh, I don't even the, think socially I went out after that. Well, because, yeah, like it, we, when we look at photos from that event, it's like, wait, that was before. We have to tell everyone. That was before. <laughs> we didn't just do that. <laughs> But COVID-19 was a a conversation. I mean, we were talking about it because we went away in February to Dominican Republic for a holiday, Mm -hmm. family holiday. And we were already concerned, like, what happens if when we're there, things start to get really bad and they bring us hot back or we get stuck there. So it was definitely February. We were already talking about COVID-19. So it wasn't like something that came out of nowhere. Um, It's definitely uh, a conversation that was happening for months before the country actually shut down or the province shut down. And so... Has like have your finances been affected at all? Or are you just having to adapt the way that you were doing things? Like, have you lost some business or potential business? So I'm on the positive end of what's been happening. So my income has not been affected, and neither has my husband's. And um, we uh, own a few investment properties. So what we have done is we've actually deferred those mortgages because we were worried about the renter's ability okay. to pay. 
Yeah. Uh, so by that deferring those mortgages, we've actually increased our cash flow situation quite significantly because obviously now all the money that we're collecting from rent just goes straight into our uh, bank accounts. And so we've been able to do some other things with that money, uh, obviously in preparation for the fact that renters may not be able to pay. Um, but that's well, how definitely that, yeah. helped us. Yeah. Um, so you were ready for your renters to not be able to pay, but they said, yeah, we're going to pay. We're good. Yeah. So we've now, so what that does really is because the bank's allowing you to defer mortgages and they're not asking many questions. They're just saying, if you want to defer, you can, because they're going to take interest from us, obviously. Sure. Uh, but that gives um, some flexibility of what you can do with that money. And so that's actually helped. And obviously we're both working from home and we're saving a lot of money on commuting and uh, we're not going out as much. Although because now they're allowing 10 people to meet, we've noticed we are kind of hosting here and there a little bit more. Uh, not it, it does. It, I have to admit, though, it's been very um, simple the way that we've had people over. We're trying not to like have too much touchy touchy food, and you know, not you know, we're using um, you know as little little cutlery as possible, like things that we're just keeping in mind, and that actually is keeping costs down because then you think, okay, like I got to think of something that's really easy to access. People aren't going to be constantly putting their hands into it, like a bowl of chips or something. And so it's just, you know, it's, it's, it's helped me focus and it's also helped us save money because you can't buy as many things because it's just uh, too risky, right? That's, that's good to think about, right? Because, uh, you know, I'm having, uh, my parents were telling me about, uh, hey, come on, you know, when you come, say, come to the pool, right? Outside is safe, right? Right. And then my mom was saying, oh, and we can make food and you can sit at that table over there and inside and because uh, we're far away from each other. And I'm just like, that all sounds terrible. I don't want to go inside the house if I don't well, have to. Well, you can bubble with them now. <laughs> you can bubble with 10 people now. So why don't you bubble? With yeah, them? well, we already have 10 people. You know, it's it's uh, and, and they my my brother's family has five people. Mm-hmm. Um, so and they're bubbled with them and they're bubbled with other people. So there there's we can't uh, there's no room for more any more bubbling. I see, uh, I see. You know, because it has to be the same people bubbling with the same people, right? Right, right. You know, in Kayla's family, we are there's already ten people there, and if we had my parents in, then we couldn't have my brother's family, and my brother's family has my parents because they just saw each other, and so there's, <laughs> there's uh, probably a lot of people are getting confused about the bubbles. That's oh, what yeah, I'm thinking, yeah. right? And there's bubbles overlapping with other bubbles, and uh, I feel like a lot of people are actually just going back to normal. They they took this, uh, they took this. A bubble thing as or or like uh, we're in phase two so we can just go back to the way that it was and that's not mm-hmm. true it's never going to be true well the, pan- right? the, yeah. the virus is still here and even though i've been meeting with you know we've been like our bubble is our family and but i've still been having friends over um i do some things like i'll disinfect my downstairs bathroom and then we don't use it that's just exclusively for them we spend all our time outside except for when they need to use the bathroom when they leave okay they disinfect that's it. cool so we've got some system in place, and I think that um, everybody is different. Some people might think that I'm taking too much risk. You know, oh, they're still sitting in your patio chairs, and they're still touching stuff outside. I mean, I understand, like, everyone's risk tolerance is different. Yeah, uh, but, that's a good point. Um, but that's how we're surviving, and I think that's really what it's about right now is survival and making sure that you're keeping your family safe and that you're not taking unnecessary risks. I definitely would not recommend that you... You know, you, you have probably heard that there was a nightclub downtown that had 150 people uh, that was charged. Oh. I think they were charged $2 million. I think that was the fun. Wow, really? Yeah. W- when did that? Ridiculous. I didn't hear that. When did that it's happen? It's a recently? Goldie nightclub uh, downtown. Okay. 
supposedly they had a party where they let people come in through the back door, 150 people, and they got shut down, obviously. Oh. I don't know how they thought they'd get away with that. Um, so I, I think I heard it very briefly. It was like $2 million they were charged, as they should be, because that is how the virus is going to spread. People having 10 people in the backyard, you know, socially distanced, even if you go see your mom and dad and yeah. you give them a hug, that is not going to be the reason the virus spreads. It's the not a huge virus, risk. You're right. Exactly. The yeah. reason the virus spreads is when you get 150 people that come from 150 different homes and then go back to their home. Like, uh, that is how it's going to get worse, right? That's um, it. That's it right there, right? And, yeah. and, and it, only one person. It's like one person crawled uh, over the border, you know, illegally somehow, right? It's like these things happen, crawled right? We were somebody's going to be able to, you know what I mean? Like that, people can sneak through uh, things, and they can be in people's cars, uh, be in trunks. That happens all the time, I'm sure, right? So we can't be like, oh, it's only in the states, and it'll never get over here because our borders are locked, uh, you know. And people are going over there and coming back, so this stuff happens all the time. Uh, so, yeah, like, I guess we just have to be a little careful. Uh, tell me a little bit about uh, your experience with, with the school with your kids. So how, um, how old are your, your kids? So my kids are both in, in full-time school. My, my son is in JK and my daughter is in grade two. So uh, both of them, obviously, since March 15th have been home since March break. And um, I was, again, going back to that conversation with my friend in Italy, was pretty much convinced that we were not going back. So I, I you know, I yeah. did all the things that I needed to do to set my daughter up because she's the one I was more concerned about. Uh, bought her a, a Chromebook and a desk where she can work from, like things that she just needs. Um, and for my son, I got to tell you, I didn't just, I just didn't do anything. Like they sent stuff out, you know, a couple of things I sort of paid attention to. But I mean, I just, I just, um, we've been trying to teach him life skills and so often yeah. he'll say to me is mama is this a life skill and we're like folding laundry i'm like it is a life skill but sometimes he's doing something that's mundane awesome. like yeah um i'm trying to think of something where he was like is this a life skill I'm like no that's just that's just you just like you know that's just know, stuff. He's like walking on the sidewalk is this a life skill i'm like am mm, i learning you're just walking you're just walking <laughs> like, <you're fine. laughs> the, really the, yeah there, I, I mean that makes sense what you're saying is that it's not as much of a concern to have formal education for someone in jk because that's kind of what they're doing anyway mm-hmm. is just learning life skills. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, the first years of school are kind of just advanced babysitting anyway, advanced daycare. It's mm-hmm. like daycare, isn't it? Okay, so I would say no. I think, <laughs> okay. that, I would, I think that in JK and SK, they do learn. And, okay. you know, um, they're not just there to care for your kids while you're at work. They're actually teaching them uh, life skills. <laughs> Well, the daycare workers, I feel, are teaching them skills, too. That's why I'm, I'm sort of comparing it to, like, a more advanced version of that. Because I yeah, feel like I, Henry learns a lot when he's <laughs> more so than here. Yeah, I mean, in daycare, I never sent my kids to daycare. So I'm just sort of guessing as to what they do based on other people's uh, um, experience. That, you know, they teach them things like how to go to the washroom and how to eat and how to follow the rules. And collaboration and, and, yeah. Yeah, and, yeah, interaction. Whereas kindergarten actually gets into you, like how to spell certain words, how okay, to okay, so it really write. does, eh? Yeah, how to. Uh, my daughter was reading after uh, SK, like how okay. to read yeah, short wow. sentences. Yeah, okay, um, that, I like that. That's great. Yeah, and they have they do like um, concerts, which they have to prepare for, which is a little bit more complicated than I guess um, they. You know, I, I do think they push them along. I, I and um, 
the good thing about kindergarten is it always they if the class is larger than 15 which they normally are there's always two um teachers in there so there's a teacher and there's also an ece and then okay. if there's any yeah. special needs class a, a kids if they're the budget allows because i know a lot of governments have cut budgets budgets but there's often a special uh, teacher for that person too uh so there's a lot of adults in the room to help those young people um, in those formative years so are, have you and Ron been able to continue your work with the kids at home? And like, what's what's going on there? How, how does that work? So Ron works at a bank and his job is pretty full on Monday to Friday. And so the times that I was really, I really hate working on the weekend. I've always, I've like, that's one of the things that I worked 15 years of weekends. And when I stopped, I said, I just never want to mm. work on the weekend unless I have to. I mean, I'll do like a, I'll do like a little here and there stuff but to actually do work on the weekend like eight hours is too much for me uh it's something i just don't want to do anymore i shouldn't say too much for me it's just something i don't want to do anymore yeah. but um that's the only i've had to revert back to that i mean now sundays is the day that i get most of my work done it's sunday morning right now it's yeah. sunday morning right now so after i get off of this i'm going to have breakfast and i'm probably just going to come back to my home office and get everything ready for the week and um you know I really have to work around his schedule. It's, you know, and I think this is a case for women everywhere. You know, like really the yeah. child rearing is on my head. Um, I shouldn't say on my head. That's kind of a mean way to say it, but it's, it's my <laughs> responsibility. Yeah. Um, and then the, the labor of the home is increased because we're all home all the time. So the cleaning and the laundry and the cooking and the, just the requirements. Whereas before Ron would go to work, I would drop the kids at school and then I'd have that six hours or I could do whatever I needed to do. And that included work, but it also included grocery shopping. It also included some me time. It also included me booking, you know, something in that just for myself. Uh, sometimes I like to just go to Value Village and walk around and look at stuff. That's just my way of like sort of decompressing. And yeah. um, I'm not doing any of that. So um, the way we're surviving is by just doing it day by day. And... I haven't had to give up work, but I definitely feel like sometimes I'm struggling to produce the same quality, I got to say. Yeah. And then yeah. this is a really important, I don't know, as a parent, I feel like it's the most important conversation to have. Uh, we're just now getting back into daycare on Monday. Mm -hmm. um, and it just happens to coincide with Kayla going back to medical school. Mm -hmm. um, but she was doing medical school from home during this these last couple of months. Mm -hmm. a and again, uh, my job is uh, is on video with clients all day. Mm -hmm. So I can't have a baby uh, there. Daycare has enabled uh, all of us to be able to do uh, intensive work or work that involves not being able to hold the baby while you're doing it or being able to schedule around the baby's naps. If there are multiple naps, which we only have one now. Only mm -hmm. do, you ha do they, your kids nap? No, no, no. No, no right? They There's go to no bed early, but they don't nap. Like even now, I'm... We're trying now to put them to bed by 8.30. Um, my son especially, because he's still pretty little. He's four years old. Uh, my daughter, 10 o'clock sometimes. But they do sleep in. And they, they are kind of at that age where they'll sleep in a little bit. Okay. Um, but, yeah, no naps anymore. It's just uh, crazy how it, it affects uh, uh, so, it just affects so many people. And uh, I have daycare, but now you don't. Right. Yeah. Like yeah. it's like, why is that, you know, like you, you should have the same ability to send your kids somewhere as I do. Mm -hmm. But the summer you, you would have had them uh, to yourself anyway. Right. Well, right before the pandemic started, I had actually hired a part time nanny to come two days a of week. Of course. OK. Yeah. yeah. So um, I, you know, I'd spoken to her and, you know, we were on the same page. I could afford it. And because my work was picking up and I wanted to just have two days to myself where I could stay 
um, at work till five o'clock because I was yeah. always rushed to come home by two forty-five. And now I'm thinking, wow, I was I had so much time back then. What was I doing? <laughs> but <laughs> this is the thing, right? Like next time we have summer vacation, like you know, parents will often have these sort of um, kind of like thank goodness they're back in school when it comes to September. I'm like, two months is nothing. I can totally manage two months of, you know, getting, finding things for them to be entertained with. But since we've been home now already three, four months almost. Um, but uh, yeah, so that fell through because it just became too complicated because it was part time. Yeah. So she'd be going to other homes and uh, she didn't want to do that as well. Uh, obviously, she didn't want to go to two different places. So she found a full time job. I'm actually, now that we're talking, going to get in touch with her because um, the thinking was that once daycare opens, that the family that she's with is going to send their kids back to daycare. But, you know, that family might say, I don't want to send my kids to daycare. I'd rather just keep this situation because it's safer. I I probably would do that. So I'll have to see where she's at. And then, um, you know, uh, I don't know whether I need it right now. I think we're okay because Ron is home and we're kind of making it happen. You've gotten used to it now. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know whether... Why take on that extra expense now? You know, honestly, I'm thinking now I probably will never need childcare options because once the kids are back in school, um, Salma's eight, you know, she's in a couple of years, she'll be able to stay home by herself even. But um, so you've sort of a, you've adjusted your life uh, to accommodate this. I've adjusted this. my life. Yeah. And yeah. Um, my older one is really good at like finding things to do on her own. I don't have to like if I'm like I need two hours, she'll find something to do for two hours. It's my younger one. But he's. He's getting older he's too. Getting so he's getting there. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's yeah. It's it's kids who uh, I guess people who have kids who are, are younger or, mm-hmm. or or babies. These are things that, that you need childcare for or not to not work. And uh, as you said already, the burden uh, does fall predominantly to the mothers. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, if you even have anybody else to help you in the first place, uh, mm-hmm. single mothers, of course, are things. Single fathers are a thing too, but not as much. Mm-hmm. Um, also, stay-at-home dads, as I was for a bit, uh, are, mm-hmm. are are not as much. It ha- it, is, it exists, but it's not as much. So, th- I mean, the the the, the concept that it, it, this is uh, disproportionately affecting women is uh, is completely true and something that needs to be acknowledged. And the people who are making the rules, like, oh, okay, let's do uh, school. I, I mean, you've heard about this so far. Let's do school uh, two days on, three days off, or one week on, one week off. I mean, <laughs> what how, how what's your reaction to that? Uh, so, I mean, I can understand um, people being really frustrated hearing that, but my reaction is that we got to do what we got to do to get through this, but it is going to be very difficult for yes. working women to actually mm-hmm. manage that. The good thing about COVID-19 is that everybody is fully aware of the challenges that exist because of COVID-19. So say school goes back one week on, one week off. Let's just say, use that as an example. I would be able to completely um, uh, make my case that there are days where I just am not going to be available. And I think my husband could do the same way so that he could relieve me on the days that I do need to do something when they are yeah. home. So that's the only big bonus of COVID-19 is that um, everybody knows that we're all in a tough situation. It's not like you have to individually explain, listen, my husband lost his job and this is happening. Yeah, you know, like that's it's harder. not like yeah. exactly that's harder. This is a much more easier situation. So I hear the parents saying, well, how's that going to work? And that's going to be confusing. But what else can we do? We have to do something to keep people safe. Right. So my yeah. reaction is like what? Like it sucks. But what else can we do? I mean, we've been home with our kids for four months. So this is a better solution. At least they're in class. And at least you have a week to yourself to finish your work. And it should be 
assumed that your employer is going to understand your situation. I cannot imagine an employer um, still, you know, not understanding how tough this is, COVID-19, and uh, giving you a hard time for not being available during certain days. Mm-hmm. And, uh, like, yeah, so th- this is one of the things that we have to worry about. And, and it, it is one of the big things because the, the whole society is built around this infrastructure. You, you got kids, and you're going to be able to put them somewhere, right, mm-hmm. so that you can work. I mean, mm-hmm. if we didn't have that ability, then society would be structured uh, differently, right? Yeah. It would Maybe be like, you know. Structured differently once we get out of this. A lot of people are already talking about liking the fact of working from home and liking the idea of, you know, having access to their family at any time of the day and not having to commute. I mean, I think we're just going to be fundamentally changed after all of this ends. I, I think so, too. And, and uh, the concepts like, uh, you know, uh, one one spouse works one uh, a couple of days a week. The other one works the other days of the week, if that's possible. Yeah. I mean, it, it's just the the whole structure of of nine to five, Monday to Friday, and weekends off for everybody. It, it just we need we do need more flexibility, as you said. That's that's the key for all of this flexibility for ourselves, flexibility for others. Mm-hmm. You know, it's um, yeah, and then uh, all of this this the world is a mess right now, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But like uh, you're rel- you're doing relatively okay, it seems like you've you've sort of adapted to this. Yeah, I mean, financially we were ready because as you know, being a personal finance journalist, I was well aware of that I need to have an emergency fund, not just for a pandemic, which I never would have expected, but even for my own uh, economic uh, problems. Maybe I can't work for a year. I mean, I took time off when uh, Zane was born, so obviously there was a time period where I was wasn't making very much money. Um, summers are always slower for me. So during, you know, the boom times, as I call them, like November, December, January, February, I, I tend to make more money because there's uh, Christmas uh, stories that come out always about spending, overspending. Then there's always the RRSP deadline. Then there's always the tax deadline. So I always seem to be very busy uh, during the mm. winter and early spring. And um, so I always bank money at that time. So that I can, because summer is pretty slow. There's not much to talk about with personal finance uh, when it comes to summer, except for this year. This year, there's tons to talk about. So freelancers yeah. are actually doing really well. I mean, I've I've had a lot of um, new contracts come. People uh, reaching out to you, uh, yeah, asking if I'd be available because. And there's always something new coming out every week or so to talk about even right are you finding yourself having to find things to talk about or do they just do they just uh, pop up in the news and you're like yep yeah, that's the thing for the week 100 <laughs> percent. there has been very little searching i mean everything yeah. has just kind of happened and there's all ob- and there's obviously topics that just have to be covered um whereas sometimes during i call it silly summer you know i'll be like oh what should we talk about what's so I'll call some sources and be like, you know, what are your clients saying? Like, I might call you and say, oh, what are your clients saying? Like, what's really bothering Canadians right now? And then try to build a story. Whereas now it's like, oh, that's the story. Um, you know, the CERB has yeah. been extended. That's the story. Uh, the border is closed to, till mid-July. That's the story. I mean, it's really easy to, 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 to talk about something in personal finance for sure. And I, I, uh, before we go, I wanted to ask you briefly about uh, the journalism industry in general. If you're seeing, like, how has it been affected by this? Is is everything just sort of moving online? Um, is is there is there going to be a time when you're going back into a studio or interviewing people in person? So here's the thing: as a freelancer, I've worked from home eighty percent of the time as it is, and I uh, assumed. Oh, I know that everybody is working from home mostly. Um, some people are still going in, like if they anchor the news. 
but mostly, you know, producers and writers are doing all their work from home. But I assumed that all of that would revert back to normal. But I met a friend, uh, uh, saw a friend the other day, and she's the producer for one of the radio stations that I work for. And she's like, no, they're actually thinking of keeping us at home. And mm. I'm like, how is that going to work? Like live radio. She goes, it's all set up and we're doing it well. And they're thinking, okay. what's the point of having that extra expense of having someone come in? I don't know. Like for me, mm. journalism is about meeting people and getting to know them and understanding your, you know, the people that you work with, understanding their point of views. Um, and I don't know whether that comes across online, uh, but I think that, you know, there's a lot of uh, jobs that people felt never could be worked from home are now being worked from home. Right. Yeah. Um, and that includes anchoring newscasts. That includes putting <laughs> on shows from your, from your bedroom. I mean, it's just, it's yeah. unbelievable with technology. Now what we're able to do. Well, and that's, that's the thing that's uh, the bottleneck right now though, is a bit of the technology. I'm surprised that they can do the live radio show well enough. Um, they must have, you know, high speed internet and uh, you know, you, because the studio is is like high quality uh, internet plus high quality cameras, and that's mm -hmm. you you can't you can get that in your house, but it costs a lot of money to get it in your house, and so they they've had to adapt a bunch. It's not exactly the same, and but it seems like it's catching up fast though. Yeah, I mean, and it it doesn't cost so much. I mean, even if the company was to pick up the cost of that, that's still cheaper than them having an office for you, right? So yeah, good um, point. If they but can that means shutting down the studio. office though, right? Yeah, that means and then, taking that uh, step. Exactly. And then, um, you know, in most cases, it's a lease, so not renewing the lease. And yeah. so then those uh, um, landowners or uh, real estate owners will have to find different ways to use that space. And that could be converting it into residential. Who knows, right? Down the road. There, I am, I am uh, pretty convinced that uh, in 10 years or so, many of those very tall office towers are going to be residential buildings because people oh, are going wow. to realize that... Uh, they can do a lot of work from home. People are going to like enjoy the fact that they can work from home. And um, I'm already hearing anecdotally like of people who lived in Toronto who are now thinking of just moving back to their the city that they are from, like their home city. Yeah. Uh, and because they can still do their job in Toronto, they don't need to be in Toronto to do it. Um, and you know, for young people, especially who have been struggling to get into the housing market and and wondering how they're going to buy their first home. Now they have the option. They can move to another town, which is amazing, and it's got walkability, and it's got all the things that they need, but their job might be in the big city core, but they only got to go in once a week. So it's okay. I can move two hours away because I don't mind that commute once every once a week, but every day to do that commute would be is, is soul-destroying, right? I mean, commute yeah, is one of the reasons people get stressed out. That that's that's it. That's why they that's why they stop, right? And and uh, and then you go go get time with your family and and all of the extra things that go along with that, all the consequences. So that's yeah, everything's so changing so much. So if you uh, enjoyed this conversation with uh, Rubina and I, <laughs> well, you can hear this every week on the Dear Ruby podcast. You can, um, yeah, it's uh, w where we do talk about all of the things that you know. Rubina basically figures out all the things that are going on. Uh, in the week, and then we talk about those things because you're talking about them uh, all over the place, right? And writing about them. And so, yeah, just uh, go to the dearruby.com, D-E-A-R-R-U-B-I.com, and, and uh, you know, go back to, I don't know, maybe episode three. I don't know. You can start with one of, uh, <laughs> of the uh, COVID-19 series if you want. But, uh, uh, you know, the, these are this show and the Dear Ruby show every week during COVID are meant to be listened 
uh, to on the day, if not the week, uh, that they're published because they're about topical things, right? Like our experience, what's going on uh, with our lives with COVID, what's going on uh, with the country, with benefits, with everything. So, you know, it's something you could listen to five years from now, I'm sure, just if you're curious about what was going on, but it's more mm -hmm. valuable for now as opposed to, you know, my first hundred shows, which are about someone's personal finance story. Uh, mm -hmm. Again, episode 68, I'll put the link to that uh, for Rubina's uh, backstory. Um, but uh, for today, uh, thanks for coming on the show, Rubina. Thanks so much for having me. It was so much fun. And I'll see you next week on the Ruby podcast. Uh, yep. And uh, next week, I, I'm, uh, I, it's still in the works, but I'm expecting uh, some of my podcaster friends to be on. So that'll be nice. We'll do a bit of a crossover, uh, kind of like today. And, uh, but I'm not on that podcast, so it's a little bit different. Until then, I'll see you next week.